This week on a lively experiment, Governor Raimondo is in the hot seat for her support of a presidential candidate. And is it game over for the release of the 38 Studios court documents? A lively experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us this week, Boston Globe reporter Dan McGowan, attorney and former prosecutor Eva Marie Mancuso, and political contributor Don Roach. Welcome everyone, I'm Jim Hummel. It is great to have you with us. Governor Raimondo was on the defensive this week for endorsing presidential candidate Michael Bloomberg, accused of creating a sexist and hostile work environment for female employees. Of course, Mr. Bloomberg had his own issues at the debate on Tuesday night, which we'll speak of in a minute. Um, Dan, first of all, let's go back. The governor has sat on the sidelines for months. Were you surprised she made the endorsement? I wasn't only because she and Mike Bloomberg have been very close for a long time, and she's called him her, her political role model. Uh, and so I think I wasn't surprised. I, I, what I thought might happen, and I wonder if she's kicking herself a little bit, was I wondered wait if— Wait for it, the first debate. Well, <laughs> wait for the first debate. Wait to see some polling that, that shows that you are going to be viable here. Now, the debate went really poorly. At the same time, he is showing on, in Super Tuesday states and a bunch of them that, that he is going to be a player in this race, and so maybe that justifies it for her. But I, I'm sure after watching Wednesday night, she'd probably wish she uh, maybe waited a little bit longer. I have no words. After watching that debate, uh, to me, it was like in The Wizard of Oz when they pulled back the curtain and there's the wizard. Uh, you know, when you watch his commercials, you almost could support him. You know, you say, wow, this is good. Uh, but I'm troubled by the dismissive uh, way that the governor just said, well, you know, we, we all make mistakes and we learn from our mistakes. Um, you don't learn character. And people that are sexual harassers and womanizers and nasty to women in grade schools are like that in junior high and high school and college and as grown men. And so the fact that she was so dismissive, um, I heard her on the Gene Valicenti show talking about him, and then to see the way he was with both Elizabeth Warren and Amy Klobuchar, uh, I, it was it was just right in front of me. I mean, I you should have heard me in my living room. It yeah, was. I um, wish we had that on. Oh tape. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I was just so, so disgusted for a woman who comes out as so progressive for women. You know, let's face it. She's this you know super anti-choice and super women's lib and super this with women to just take somebody like that and say of all the candidates, this is the person I have to support. Um, I was just really really troubled by that. I think it's indicative of the rap on Raimondo that she's always been more beholden to kind of like her powerful friends in New York. Um, and we can see that kind of in real time with her support of Bloomberg. To me, I just, I just, I just don't see it. I mean, the, like he for, for years defended his stop and frisk policies for years. And then November last year, all of a sudden he's changed. Yeah. Right, he's, right, he's changed his mind. Uh, kind of like when he changed his party. Exactly. <laughs> I will say, though, uh, here's one thing to keep in mind. If you were a supporter of Mike Bloomberg's or if you were inclined to be a moderate the, the way the governor sort of didn't have a home for in this race for president, Tuesday's a disaster or Wednesday night was a disaster for him. But 
Joe Biden did not pop up and say, you know what, I'm going to grab the mantle and be the moderate. Amy Klobuchar generally was believed to have, have a pretty bad debate after a good performance in New Hampshire. There isn't a direct path for, you know, the folks who are inclined to give Bloomberg a shot. You're certainly not going to Elizabeth Warren or, 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 or Bernie Sanders. And so I think this is why he still is going to be a player in this. But, boy, if he has another bad debate uh, next week in South Carolina, but it's going to have a problem. Amy Klobuchar, I thought was, I didn't think she was, she was bad. I think that she wasn't properly, she wasn't ready mm-hmm. for Mayor Pete's attack. That's right. And so just she... Just like Bloomberg wasn't ready for, for everybody. Warren, right? But I, I, no, I just think Bloomberg... W- is who he is. Well, that's just who he is. And I don't see Amy Klobuchar as as, um, not ready. I see her more as she was really taken by surprise, especially coming from Mayor Pete. But it's going to be interesting because now we see Governor Raimondo, she's in New York meeting with Mike Bloomberg. And I know she spent a lot of time when she was with the Democratic, head of the Democratic Governors Association. We know going all over the place raising money. How the next year is going to, not the next year, but you know, leading up to the election, how that's going to play out. Juggling Rhode Island, it's not like we don't have enough going on here in the state, right? Right, right. right. It's just, I don't know, I was just very disappointed to read about her support of uh, Mayor Bloomberg when I do believe there are other viable Democratic candidates out there, but again, it just she follows the money, and that's that's what I've always felt about her, and I, she's not proven me wrong yet. Do you think it's as simple as he's her friend, she wants to dive in somehow and help, or is it that everybody said she's looking down the line at a potential Bloomberg administration? I mean, I think it would be hard to imagine that she's not thinking about her future in some way, but, but I do think it is. I, I think she looked at this and said, you know, Joe Biden was her natural person. He's come here, it would be, but Joe Biden has not done very well. He wasn't doing very well in the polls, so I think she needed somewhere else to go, and it was it was easier to go with her friend than anybody else. Okay. And I hate to say it, Joe Biden doesn't have $62 billion. That's right. He doesn't have it. Bloomberg does, so. Well, and if you didn't watch that debate, a lot of people said Trump didn't do that well in his first debate, and they're going to polish him up, obviously. That's an awful lot. If you didn't see the debate and you're watching those commercials, like you said, Eva, it's almost the guy you'd want to vote for if you didn't know about right. the other stuff. Right, but it's going to, this is a first. And it, it's going to rev up, right. not not pull back. And keep you in know? mind, 30 million people saw that debate. It was one of the best-rated right. debates that, that, that had happened. Unfortunately for so. him. Yeah, <laughs> High exactly. ratings. All right, we got a lot to cover. It's good we have our in, uh, in-house legal counsel here, Ms. Mancuso. <laughs> now, for months we went... If we didn't talk about the Paw Sox or 38 Studios, it wouldn't be a show. And we haven't talked about 38 Studios. This week we find out that the Supreme Court says, sorry, you can't get your uh, mitts on the uh, grand jury. So tell me from a prosecutor, I mean, you've been in grand good juries. St- it, Was good, it a good decision? Good decision. Good decision. Um, hard cases make bad law. That's the that's the mantra that that is said. Um, yeah, um, it's always great when you can shine sunlight on any investigation, but that's not the grand jury. It's not the role of the grand jury. The grand jury is to look and at information and decide whether or not there's enough evidence to prosecute. End of story. It's not an investigative grand jury. It's not an expose. It's not a uh, commission. It's the grand jury. And isn't it really at the end of the day how the prosecutors drive the case? You can be critical of how the Martin administration handled it, but at the end of the day, it is what it is when they come to the end, right? Well, you know, the joke used to be you could 
indict a ham sandwich. I mean, that you'd hear that with reporters all the time. Anybody can be indicted, you know. Um, it's easy to get just an over the end. But um, I don't think that's really true. I think that the grand jury has a role in our criminal justice system, and that's to put people under oath, much like we're seeing now with the, the whole... Um, convention center issue, put people under oath, you know, not have them talk to reporters where they can be, hey, this is the way it works. Raise your right hand, whatever you say is subject to the penalties of perjury, and then go from there. So I, I don't know, and I don't think that process should be interrupted uh, for any reason. I also wonder what the, what the result would have been if they released the grand jury records. Clearly, we know nobody was indicted. You would have just had a bunch of couch potato lawyers like me saying, wait a minute, why is this, why wasn't this person indicted? It would just be right. more chaos well, than it anything Well, it was like else, when right? you were at Channel 12, Tim and Ted, you remember they had the big dump on a Thursday afternoon right. and they, you know, they in the war room looking through all the documents. Ultimately, what came out about that? I mean, Michael Corso didn't look too good. A handful of sensational things. Well, that was a part right, of but it. But ultimately, you know? what, right. what were we getting out of it? Right. Yeah, and I think Rhode Islanders still want answers, but at the same time, at least I can speak for me, I'm just ready to move on. You know, there's enough present day corruption or alleged corruption for us to deal with. Let's leave 38 Studios behind us. There's only so much that one man can take on his plate, Don, right? You don't exactly. want to have to multitask. <laughs> exactly. I do wonder, though, we've almost paid off the bond, right? Yes. It, it, we're almost at the end of that. Yes. But I do wonder the larger issue, and we've talked on this set so many times, the 38 Studios hangover. Does time help us get over that? Because, you know, that's a lot of what the boss Hawks we've said about that. They didn't want to pull the trigger because they were worried when it was really apples and oranges, right? <laughs> I think it's going to make, uh, so there's two issues here. One is that issue in terms of the approach that you take in the future and the due diligence that has to be done. So hopefully we've learned from 38 Studios that it's not, let's just take the word of whoever is up there trying to get money and maybe we're going to read the legislation. Okay, that's number one. <laughs> but then you have the grand jury process that has to remain sacred. What happens for everyday individuals in the grand jury, I think it's very important that that's not sensationalized right. or released so that people after the fact can say, well, what about this? Why wasn't this question asked? And what about this? Where It doesn't mean anything, you know? I would just say I'm not, con I'm not convinced, though, that we're not going to continue to talk about this. And here's why. It's a very simple thing to understand. Famous baseball player, state lawmakers giving a you know sweetheart deal, guy went belly up, everybody had to pay it back, right? This is the easiest thing. Every campaign you can compare the proposals to 38 Studios. Every time at the end of the session when something is happening, the, you get someone on the floor to say, this is another 38 Studios. This is not going away anytime soon. Or as they like to say, Studio 38. Studio right? 38. Uh, the <laughs> other right. thing is, look, hey, let's not forget, Governor Raimondo in her first campaign, let's rewind five years ago, said, we're absolutely going to investigate. I'm going to launch an investigation. And where has that been? I mean, we could have made a lot of progress and then she said well it's going to cost too much right yeah and a million remember, or two if you back if you remember during that campaign angel taveras was standing next to her and, and actually was much more practical about this and said look you got to let the the legal process play out and everybody booed him <laughs> and then he turned out to be right <laughs> yeah. i just, just i just don't think we're ever really going to get answers and even if the grand jury uh, documents were released, would we really have the answers? Like, as you were saying, Dan, kind of us couch potato legal minds would be saying, why didn't they indict this person or that person? Let's just let it go and, again, continue to deal with the stuff that we have to deal with today. Do you agree with the chilling effect? You were a prosecutor, I assume you were in grand juries at some point. And, and what was the word to people and their nervous people coming in saying, 
hey, we're, now, if there's an indictment, we may use you going on, but we need your testimony and we will guarantee that well, this stays. I mean, did you no, have that discussion no, at all no, or not? No or people are scared to death when they come in, right? Yeah, yeah, it's no guarantee of anything. You know me, Jim. Here's the subpoena and you will testify <laughs> <laughs> um, if you have evidence to present. So, um, mine is a bigger issue than that than the individual part it's the whole system, system of the grand jury because you don't get to the bottom of criminality or or not enough evidence and we're seeing it in play right now with the convention center yeah. people are saying well what's criminal about that well we don't know what's criminal if there's anything criminal right. all that Peter Narona is saying is that I don't want to hear anecdotal ex explanations in the press about what's happening so you convene a grand jury ask the questions the grand jury and the prosecutor ask the questions under oath yeah. that's what's different when I talk to Dan McGowan thank goodness it's just talking to him <laughs> it's not I mean he can you can lie it. to a reporter it's not illegal you God forbid that you would do that or you could well I'm not anymore I'm <laughs> no, you can you can put a spin on things or what have you it's a very different when you're in the grand jury and you take that oath for those of us that that really the oath means something, it's, it's a different process. Let's talk about the convention center because the irony is not lost on me that, look, when I, and I've talked about this, when I was at the Journal years ago, we had a very strict policy. We didn't report really who was going to grand juries because we didn't think that was fair if it, if it resulted in totally indictment. Agree. And now you think about, so we know that all these people with Speaker Mattiello are going in. Ultimately, if nothing happens, nothing happens. But I wonder if the corollary to 38 Studios is everybody's being tried in the press just by walking into the grand jury, right? You know, that's a wonderful way to put it because I thought of the same thing. As I opened up the newspaper and I'm reading who's testifying before the grand jury. I mean, that was, Does it matter? was totally sacred. I mean, remember, I did the sniper case. Yes, I remember that. Up in Northern that. Rhode Island, up in Northern Rhode Island, which, you know, for those of you youngins, um, they closed down Northern Rhode Island. I mean, you had to cross the National Guard to get to your house and to go to the store. We brought in a lot of people to testify. Those guys were doing house breaks and arson and as, well shootings, as, yeah. as well as the shootings. Yeah. So what I'm saying is you, we brought a lot of people in. Nobody said, and tomorrow testifying in the grand jury is so-and-so. And, -so. and even if you saw somebody go in, we wouldn't report it. Let's talk about the larger issue about Speaker Mattiello and what's going on. Yeah, I think perhaps the, the, the issue is that People no longer trust the process, and so, you know, maybe news outlets are reporting much earlier because they're saying, you know, we missed on 38 studios, we've missed on so many things before, let's get there early and hope that we don't miss or we can deter people from doing really bad things. Maybe that's the, 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 the hope that they, that they they get from kind of reporting on uh, the grand jury testimony. Yeah, I always on that note, when the Speaker of the House and or the Speaker's staff, high-level staff members, are being hauled in front of a grand jury, that's I, would, news. <laughs> I will always defend the, the, the right to report that because it is completely newsworthy. But it, 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 it will be interesting to see, and, and you brought up even the, the most kind of interesting point here is some of this sounds a lot like just political skullduggery. And then what will a charge be? And I'm, I'm curious from your role having been in these grand juries, I mean, how much, when you look at this from what you know, what case would you make to a grand jury? Well, that's interesting because I, had a, I have a really hard time figuring that out. Um, to me, and everybody that's talked about it, so the Republicans, Blake Filippi said it, it's really not the fact that we don't want the audit. The fact is that he should have had a meeting. 
okay, that's a different issue. Right. And we can all agree, okay, yeah, there should have been a meeting, there should have been minutes. That's the way the world wants it to work. Well, that didn't happen. That Ex battle. Exactly. Yeah. And so when I looked at it and said, grand jury, what's the crime? Abuse of power? Uh, that. But then, there's no crime for for that. I mean, it's not extortion. Well, it's not. Yeah, there's been it, no. But it may be because well, you know, I'm not saying. Look, I understand that's a big, heavy word. But I'm saying is what we don't know is the conversations. There were some conversations with convention center authority members. You do this, and I'll do this. All right. And if that, the director that, of security, if the director of security says to somebody else, this is the way tips happen. Anybody that's that's done any organized crime work or anything else can tell you that's the way tips happen. So if Jim Demers whispered to the speaker, listen, I'm on my way out, but there's some issues over there. The speaker says, I want to have an investigation. I want an audit there. And now all of a sudden it's bad because his friend told him that. Yeah, but he may How not have been on his way out. He was the whole deal with, with Demers was he got put on leave and Matty Yellow then gets injects himself into it. We don't know. We all don't know if that's the, I'm, I'm looking at the opposite side of it to say to myself the way I think it happened, and I don't know, but the way I look at it is Demers whispers, as you know, former state trooper whispers to his friend, hey, listen, there's some issues over there. I got some, we don't know why Can you get into the grand jury room for us? Do you think they would form a prosecutor rights to get in? My question to you, Dan, is what's the political skullduggery? Who benefits from this? Well, I think if, if you're, if what has been reported is accurate, the speaker kind of saying he wants to, uh, you know, wanted to audit, in theory, that looks like he may have been trying to protect a friend who had numerous examples of, of some trouble at the convention center. So I think that's where potentially you see political skullduggery. Okay. I still don't, I think I agree with Eva. I'm not sure I see what is criminal about that. Although, again, that's why people go in front of the grand jury and that's but what we'll figure out. Took the, to me, took the easy way out. And, and I, I applaud him for it. He's easy. What's convenient? Easy way in terms of the information. Courageous political step. But easy way in terms of saying, put them all in the grand because jury. Because don't you think his predecessor, people would have been shocked if Kill Martin had, and I don't expect you to trash Ugh. a former AG. Well, you, there you are go. glad to trash a former AG. I, mean, <laughs> I didn't Martin, like him when he went in. Th and I, do you think he would have had the guts to put something like me? this together? He didn't to have be too political, right? So I mean, so I think Narona, I think you're right. If it comes out no true bill, hey, we went through the process, right? right? One challenge he will have, though, speaking of, of him being courageous, he puts it in front of a grand jury. If if he comes back with nothing, uh, with, with no charges, he's going to have to get. It'll be the second time. Remember, he just had this situation at the Wyatt. Right. It's going to be the second time he's going to have to answer questions about why you called the grand jury, why everybody was up in arms, and nobody was. But charged. I think he, that was an interest group that was very concerned about that. I think the larger public he gets bonus points for oh, the agreed. transparency. Yeah. Right? Did uh, you want the last word on that? Yeah. I, I, to me, I feel like convening the grand jury, even if you're opposed to it is good because I think our politicians need to be held in check and if they know that anything that they do even if it kind of smells kind of off this could potentially happen I think it's going to deter uh, some of their activities. I, I just don't agree with that at all. The grand jury should be a a last step process um, to say that we should use that as a as a stick to keep people in check um, to me is an, is an abuse of power. Okay, we've been waiting for months, and he finally came on board this week, the new school superintendent, Harrison Peters. He's making the grand tour. We have Mr. Providence with us here today, fortunately this week. Um, 
you had written back in January the teacher's contract, yep. but it, tell me tell me kind of the short-term, long-term what he's got to look at. I mean, where he wakes up in the morning and probably thinks, why am I here? But Yeah, yeah I think he really is probably waking up and realizing how difficult this is, as even knows. Just like important. the commissioner, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and very much so. I think the teacher's contract is the most important thing that, that both he and Commissioner Infante Green have to deal with because it's so complex and you can't move anything in Providence without having a little bit of this in writing in, 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 in the contract. But he also has to navigate this path of trying to figure out a, a better teacher contract for management while also trying to make sure that you kind of can raise morale at all levels in the district. The teachers are unhappy people right now. They've been treated pretty poorly. Their conditions of their buildings are, are pretty bad. And when so, they go out in the public, oh, you work in the Providence schools, right? That's right. right. Everybody looks We know all you. about so your so buildings. You, so she, they've, they, he has to find a way to kind of be inspiring while behind the scenes actually being a tough negotiator. It's not easy. <laughs> It's Any not advice easy. from a it's, former? Uh... It's not. It's not easy. It's not. It's not an easy job. Um, but I think it's a very important job. Um, the teacher contracts are. I think it's very important. But the teacher training that's happening, it troubles me more. Mm -hmm. The fact that we're saying we need more people of color and more Latinos involved in teaching, yet we're not doing a lot in the teacher prep programs to make sure that they're properly trained to walk into a classroom. So I think that that's where our focus has to be statewide is on the teacher training parts. Listen, we have to groom and make it, make, we have to get the best and brightest in the classrooms. The way we do that is to make it a job where the ceiling's not falling in and they're not being treated in the public as, as you know, non, non gratis persona. Um, I think that's important. Now, avid viewers of Lively will know that Mr. Roach was a teacher in the Providence school system, were you not? I, I did, yeah, I did about a semester in uh, Central High School. And that sure. sent you into another prof profession, it, it, right? It did, it did. <laughs> um, so as you look at this, you, you know yeah, of what you to, speak. To me, I don't feel like the, it's to, the answer to the Providence school system is not rocket science, in my opinion. It's hard to do, but we've got to get parents at the table. Yeah. We've got to get students at the table. We've got to respect our teachers. And it feels like that's just really hard to do. I think Infante Green said that she was going to include parents in the discussion of the next superintendent, but she didn't. That seems like, you know, standard 101. Get the parents involved. And there is a ton of students who do not know how to speak English in the system, and we're not helping those kids. It is not that hard to do, but you've got to be intentional and focused about it. Well, here's one of the things that makes it hard, right? So, so I've spent my career covering, you know, convenings of parents and students and teachers and everybody's so happy. And you sit around and you complain and complain and complain, and then you, there's never movement afterwards, right? And so at, at the end of the day, it, this falls on the commissioner and the, the superintendent to make real decisions. If, you, if you're always worried about what, what the community is going to say about every decision, you're never going to get anything you done. You cannot lead by committee. And you know that. That was my approach right. on the Board of Education. You cannot lead by committee. You hire a commissioner that you believe in, and then she makes tough decisions, real decisions, and then you stand by them. And when it starts getting ugly... 
when the test scores are bad and where little Johnny's not graduating and little Mary's not graduating and oh they really should because they had whatever you keep the requirements there and you keep pushing along because we haven't done that for never a generation right. yeah but I, th I think you can't lead by committee but you need to lead by empowering people and the teachers, parents, and students do not feel empowered, and I think that there's a way that we can empower all of those groups, because we're going to need them all to change the system. Final question on this. So, everybody said that Commissioner, all the air has been sucked out of the room by Providence. She's got to worry about the rest of the state, which is not doing that great, test scores and all of that. You wonder what the dynamic is going to be. Clearly, she wants Providence to succeed, but is it going to be, okay, now that we have Mr. Peters here, I can move on, or do you think there's still going to be a little more hands I think on? it has to be, because I think you're always concerned. Look, when it, no matter what happens, whoever you are, you're always focused on Providence, because it's the biggest place, but you have have to you know wean over some superintendents and some communities outside of the city and so hopefully she's kind of breathing a sigh of relief with the new superintendent all right it's a fast show let's uh, make sure we get to outrageous Don do you have an outrage or a kudo this week yes yeah, so I usually have kudos but this week it's uh, outrage um, so my outrage is with Cranston Republicans um, I just feel like we control uh, the city council obviously we have Mayor Fung uh, this year we've got uh, mayor for re-election, sorry, we're going to have a new mayor, um, but I don't feel like we're coming together as Republicans. There's too many offshoots, too many different people who are going to probably run for mayor, and I think it's going to cost us, it's going to cost us the city, and we're going to lose control of the second largest city in Rhode Island. What would your advice be to the Cranston Republicans? My advice would be go into a room, talk to each other, and say what is the best strategy for us to win uh, this November? Who's going to really be the person to lead us? And for people to kind of, you know, put, set aside some of their egos and pride and uh, just this is, choose. This is what Democrats have been doing for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take a, <laughs> yeah, take a page fighting. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, Dan, what do you have? Yeah, we were just talking about education, and we talked about the debate earlier. Uh, 30 million people watched the debate the other night. Not a word about, educa about yeah. public education. I saw you tweet that you, out. Every state spends a billion or many billions of dollars on public education and voters do not know where any of these folks stand on, on, on education policy and let's make no mistake about it education policy very much comes from the federal level and so it, it just it seems outrageous to me that that's not one of the higher uh, priorities in this in this conversation exactly Eva um, uh, my kudos is to Elizabeth Warren, and I'm not supporting her for president, but I support her. She took Mike Bloomberg apart. You know, she just started as. Well, she went into prosecutor mode at one point. Didn't she? Oh boy, I'll tell you, I was on my couch cheering. Um, she brought out with all of the things that the public needs to know about him. Like I said, um, when I make my decision as to who I'm going to support um, uh, for the Democratic nomination, because I haven't made a decision yet. Uh, I look at character because character is not something that you can learn or teach. Character is something that you have. And the fact that she brought out really the truth of about who Mike um, Bloomberg. Bloomberg is, um, I, I give her my kudos. You know, as much as the moderators, it's always a tough job, and they had like a, a posse of moderators there, and I think Chuck Todd was just, he was not on his game that night. 
it, you got to know when to interject and when to let him go. And it was a brilliant move sitting back and letting Warren do the work, right? Oh, yeah. No question Don't you about think? it. I mean, it was. Because if somebody had d dived in at that point, it would have been, oh, man, yeah. what are you doing? She was, she was just spot on with bringing out facts. Yeah. She was just factual about everything There's, and say. There was a great, and there was a great image very, very early on in the debate. You saw Bernie Sanders got the first question, and he's talking, and he's ranting, yeah. and Elizabeth has her, her hand he in the air. Right she wants to go right to Bloomberg. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Folks, I'm sorry. That is all the time we have. It's a quick 30 minutes with this panel. Dan, thank you. And Eva and Don, get those Cranston Republicans into line. And uh, we will be back here next week. Folks, if you can't catch us at 7 on Fridays or noon on Sundays, we post all of our shows online. And we are now wherever you get your favorite podcast. So take us along with you as you go. We appreciate your loyalty to this show. We, have, we love bringing it to you every week. And hope you join us back here next week as the Lively Experiment continues. A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm John Hazen White, Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program and Rhode Island PBS.